You are listening to Fed by Ravens. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, I don't care. It's one of my favorite things now is to uh, watch you push the button and not get to your seat in time. And now That's, you've taken well, to inten- intentionally blocking yes. my chair. One of the many, <laughs> one of the many charms of Fed by Ravens is it's um, just kind of hominess. Our our low overhead. Welcome to day 313. Oh, good morning, Matt. Oh, yeah. Good morning, Adam. Welcome to Fed by Ravens, day 313 and 314. We're doing it. Yeah, we are. We're getting through the entire scriptures together, and I think we're all learning there's a lot of stuff we don't know, and we have grossly misrepresented God by speaking from our ignorance. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Fortunately, the one theme is God is gracious, and he uh, opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble, and if this whole experiment does one thing, it'll humble you to the reality of God's power and love and graciousness to us. There we go. Let's get into our Old Testament for today. Our Old Testament reading for today is Ezekiel chapter 17 through chapter 20, verse 44. Well, Matt, um, I got a three-parter for you today. Oh no. Okay. I got um, I got a historical, a theological, and a messianic interpretation because for you because it's riddle time. Riddle, 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 riddle time. <laughs> Sorry, no one was prepared for that. No. (laughs) Ezekiel gets a riddle from the Lord. Why, you ask? Because guess who shows up? The elders. The elders of Judah show up to the prophet, the priest, now made prophet of God. And guess what they're asking? They're doing what every disobedient child does. When they're told they can't have something, and they're told why they can't have something, and they're told when they'll get it back and how to get it back, the disobedient child continues to go, can I have it now? Mm-hmm. You must clean your room before you can come back out and have your dessert. Can I have it now? Did you clean your room? No. Go clean your room. Can I have it now? Can I have it now? Can I have it now? They just have a hard time listening. And so God says, since the elders have been warned back in Judah, back they've been warned by Isaiah, by Jeremiah, by Ezekiel, on and on and on it goes, even the minor prophets, they once again come to inquire of the Lord because they're so pious. And God's like, all right. And I see something here. God says, when you're so hard-hearted and you're just trying to manipulate me all the time, I'm going to start speaking to you in parables or riddles mm. because you don't understand straight language. Yeah. And so he gives him a, a, a really kind of cool riddle here. I think we can break it down. It's repeated and then uh, explained yeah, in the, chapter 17. And the, so... Um, two Eagles and a Vine. Two Eagles and a Vine. Also the name of our new our next podcast <laughs> where we talk about God's judgment on uh, America. All right. Okay. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I don't know if I'm kidding. Oh, jeez. Okay. Blurring the lines. <laughs> That's right. our next podcast. Blurring the lines, speaking from the heart. Rip Madden Adam. <laughs> this is our anti <laughs> anti Fed by Ravens podcast. 
these, you, if you've listened in order, you'll get our inside jokes. Um, if not, you'll be lost, and you know what? You'll be just where you started. Oh, All right. Yeah. Cool. Two so, eagles and a vine. Yeah. So uh, the Lord kind of just gives him this riddle of an eagle that swoops in from the north and grabs two cedars from the top of a mountain, uh, takes one with him to the north and plants another one in uh, in the land of Jerusalem. And it, it's there flourishing, and the eagle's now tending it. And then, and then this vine, this plant, as it's flourishing, starts bending its roots towards another eagle that it sees off to the west. And, and uh, the question is, why is it turning away from the first eagle and going to this new one? Is it really going to thrive and survive there when it's already being taken care of? by the first one and uh the main idea though is that god's talking about nebuchadnezzar who came in took jehoiachin with him into egypt set up zedekiah and was like totally cool with letting them live and survive and thrive and tend to them underneath nebuchadnezzar's rule but then they turned towards pharaoh to the west to Egypt, like they have a habit, a penchant of doing, mm-hmm. and that is not what God wanted for them ever, and so they are not going to find life there or salvation. So, long story short, after you read the allegory and read its kind of theological, it, Ezekiel gives it all to the uh, elders mm-hmm. to make it very plain for them. They should recognize what this is about, mm-hmm. and it is what has already happened. Right. Babylon, but the theme that Babylon has taken them, that was God's doing, mm-hmm. and instead of bowing to Babylon completely, they allowed Egypt to um, offer them, them, sway them, like, oh, we'll protect you, and mm-hmm. you should fight against Babylon, but when the siege came upon Jerusalem, where was Egypt? Nowhere, Nowhere. to be found. No. And so this whole thing is like, you stop turning back to Egypt. Yeah. And then there's like a sweet little like messianic sprig right dropped in here where the lord caps off this yeah. whole story with you know what? i myself is going i'm going to take a sprig from the lofty top of the cedar and i'm going to plant it on the top of a high mountain right and it will flourish there and become a noble cedar and under it everything will be able to dwell and gather and find protection and life and peace it did remind me, um, at the end of chapter 17, he's like, and under it will dwell every kind of bird in the shade of its branches. Uh, birds of every sort will nest. And all the trees of the field shall know that I am the Lord. And then he talks about bringing the low, tr- bring low the high tree and make high the low tree and all this great stuff. I've spoken it, I will do it. Mm-hmm. It reminded me of Jesus talking about the mustard seed. Yeah, yeah. The smallest of seeds grows into this tree that will... Uh, host birds and mm-hmm. protect and offer shade and all these great things. And so this is the word for the elders. It's like, I don't know how to make it more clear to you. I am using Babylon. Right. Right. And then one day I will choose a king. Right. And that king will reign over you guys forever. So in chapter 18, this is an important chapter, isn't yeah. it? This chapter 18 then goes into individual accountability before God. Mm-hmm. My question to you is, is he 
do you think he's still talking to the elders in chapter 18? Is there any reason we should think he's changed his audience? Or is this a continuation? I mean, the quotes stop, but then the word of the Lord came to Ezekiel. Right. I mean, you probably he's probably dealing... I mean, so the, the idea here in chapter 18 is that uh, to the human nature is to blame the generations before you for the yeah. mess that you're in. And like, so the, the nature is to go, well, we're in this mess because of the actions of our parents and their yes. parents. And, and vice versa. They don't right. blame, we're in this mess because the, the millennials are screwing yeah. it all up. Right. It's and like, we're still doing this today. Yes. Right? We're still doing it all the time. And so <laughs> the Lord has to break this down. He's like, stop saying these things. Yeah. You are responsible for you. Yeah. I don't punish people for the actions of their parents or for the actions of their children. And he gives like several examples of how that plays out. No, but that's so like appropriate mm-hmm. in every generation, but like especially ours now because the younger generation says, well, you, you built all these racist kind of structures mm-hmm. and you were liars and we don't like how you did it. We're going to do it different. And so we're... Mm-hmm. Uh, failing because of you and then the older generation says you guys are ruining everything we've done yeah or you guys and you're lazy so like yeah we you did guys this. aren't even building anything now. right yeah. and god says to both no you, you know what you're both responsible and accountable to the god who created you mm-hmm. uh, there are so many powerful verses but the one that you see over and over again he says um first of all you're responsible for you mm-hmm. that this you can do something different than your dad did right. if your dad didn't follow the lord you can follow the Lord and you will live because God is over and over saying, I'm giving you my rule of life because this is like how, this is right. for life. Just like if you plant a seed, water it, and it grows, that that's how you grow something. Here's how you live life. And no mm-hmm. one, you know, and people are struggling with this. And so he says, if a wicked person turns away from all his sins that he has committed and keeps all my statutes and does what is just and right, he shall surely live. He shall not die. And there are, like, all these lists of, like, what a righteous person does Mm -hmm. and what an unrighteous person does. But it's good to remember that righteousness is not a result of a checklist. Right. It's not like you don't go through and go, oh, I'm good, good, good. It's a result of a right relationship with God. Mm -hmm. So God is inviting you, like, you maintain this relationship with God. That is, you're talking. That means you're listening. And you're saying, oh, I failed here. I'm charging interest to somebody and ripping them off. Is that the right thing to do, God? And God's like, no, no. And then you correct it. Like right. that's a relationship, and the right action comes from knowing the God who says, "Hey, don't. I'll take care of you. You don't need to exploit these people." Um, things of that nature. Uh, I really enjoy the landing section of yeah. chapter eighteen, where he says, "Therefore, I will oh, judge man. you, O house of Israel, everyone according to his ways." Mm-hmm. Uh, repent and turn from all your transgressions, lest iniquity be your ruin. Cast away from you all the transgressions that you've committed and make yourselves a new heart and a new spirit. Why will you die, O house of Israel? For I have no pleasure in the death yes. of anyone, declares the Lord God. So turn and live. That's it. I mean, he, God's heart, I, I made like a note. He explains, okay, so there's God's justice because... Mm-hmm. The complaint is, God, you're not fair. Right. That is always the complaint. You're not fair. And God just says straight up, is it me that's not fair or is it humanity that treats Mm -hmm. people with injustice? Right. I didn't start this injustice thing. You all did. Mm -hmm. I'm actually being just. Is this the section or is it, I think it's in 20. We'll see how he recounts. 
yeah. all their that's, injustice. That's 20, yeah. But yeah, in, in uh, chapter 18, though, it shows God's justice, but it, it says, I, you don't get judged according to your dad right, or your son. Mm-hmm. You get judged according to you turn to me. And so it's showing God's uh, love. Like, mm-hmm. I don't desire anyone to die. I'm not trying to push right. you guys away. You're pushing me away. Yeah. I, I was thinking about this. So, like, I would say there are, um, there's definitely, and even we'll get into 20, where there are generational sin. Does, yeah. It does get passed down. But the, the offer that's always on the table for everyone, and everyone. it's through the work of God, yep. is... You are always you always have the ability to break out of these cycles. God will always save you from these cycles. Always. And so just because you are you may have inherited or are in a generational cycle doesn't mean you're powerless to fight against it or that you're just a victim. You can always turn towards God and he has the power and is willing and will break the cycle. I mean we're all under the curse mm-hmm. of sin and death. And then in family lines, it works out through different propensities. There's yeah. anger, there's theft mm-hmm. or whatever. Yes, you inherited that. But that is not an excuse and you're not clever for going, it's just how I am. You're right. Exactly. God, break. he's made you a curse breaker. Mm-hmm. That's the whole thing of Christianity. You break the curse of death in every way. And especially in family generational curses, yeah. which by the way are true. Yeah. De- I mean, people alcoholism yeah. you know there's dna and it's yeah. not fair i was born that way right we we're all born under sin right and god can break that that you were born yes. under into something new then he writes a uh, beautiful funeral poem yeah so again he's i when you read this you have to kind of have this idea of the people in exile are banking on zedekiah saving them yeah they are banking on Jerusalem breaking free from Babylon, riding up on a white horse, and rescuing them from captivity. It's completely uninformed. It's completely disassociated from reality. Yes. Which is what we all kind of do. Yes. Like, if I get this relationship or this job, right. everything will change. Yes. And if you step back, you realize, even if it did come to you, it would not change no. anything for you. Right. And so... So God is through that or through Ezekiel is constantly going, no, they're not. Do not put your hope in that. I was not going to save right. you. I'm doing this because I need you guys to. I need to purify this idolatry out of you. And so this lament is um, again a little allegorical, talking about yeah. um, a lioness who raises up uh, two lions. Uh, one is over is taken and dragged to Egypt, which is. Um, uh, Josiah's son, I forget which son, but um, <clears throat> Josiah's son gets taken away from to Egypt, and then the other lion is brought up, and that's Jehoiachin, and he's taken away to Babylon, and then this vine is set up, uh, the vineyard, which is Zedekiah, and it's there, and it can flourish, but it rebels, and now it's going to be burned away and stripped. And that's interesting, yeah, you followed it like very literally to the the line of Judah. Mm-hmm. But I was just reading it more like um, the lions, the lion at the cubs and everything mm-hmm. was kind of the the father's side of Judah, of the people of God. And then the vine was like the mother's side. I don't know oh, why I was yeah, reading yeah, yeah. it like this. And both of them, you know, the lions are caged yep. and they're 
they're basically caged, and the vine dries up, is pulled up out of the ground, right. and then thrown in the fire. Yes. Because that's what you do with weeds. Mm-hmm. And so, again, he's writing it as a lamentation. Bef- it's con- traditionally considered before the fall of Jerusalem, and it's like, this is a lament that will become a real lament and, that and we will sing one day because these events are going to happen. And the context is, this is the corrupt line of Judah now mm-hmm. where God has turned, he's gotten to the point where he's turned his face and withdrew his blessings. But chapter 20 is reminding everybody, let me give you a little history lesson, lest you think this is not fair or mm-hmm. sudden mm-hmm. or I'm just a, God's just a hothead. He's not a hothead at all. And so No, he actually sets up a, a generational pattern of their sin. Yeah. And he so in chapter twenty then it's Israel's it's a recollection of Israel's continuing rebellion. And it reminded me of uh, Stephen in the book of Acts, when he's getting oh, yeah. stoned, yes. he gives this um, as he's getting martyred, the first mm-hmm. martyr of the Christian church, yeah. he gives a recount of of the Exodus and yeah, goes he through a lot. He basically does this. He basically does an Ezekiel. Yeah. And where Ezekiel under this is the word of the Lord, thus says the word of the Lord. Oh, he, and this is this is directed towards the elders. Yes, absolutely. The patient he goes, God's patience has been to you elders. Mm-hmm. You should know better because talk about generational mm-hmm. patterns. I mean this is over I don't know, like fifteen hundred years. Mm-hmm. This is not a new thing. And he goes back and basically, he just recounts everything in every scene, like mm-hmm. before the Exodus, after the Exodus, during the Exodus, in all every kind of what do you call it epoch of yeah, Israel's generation. history. It's the, he shows uh, he goes over the cycle of idolatry, mm-hmm. um, of rejection but, of but God. Did you catch what the rejection of God? Like one of the biggest offenses that God repeats. Yes. Yes, this was insane. He In verse 12, Moreover, I gave them my Sabbaths as a sign between me and them that they may know that I am the Lord who sanctifies them. Like, it's... Give them a day off. Right, like God says all these other things yeah. that he's doing, like the big stuff, forgiveness and my people. But then it's like add insult to injury. I think God gets, gets really offended by... I was the only master that was giving his slaves, his people, a day off. Right. What other king gives his people, like, everyone take the day off? Right. But this was just a nice thing. This was a sign between, this is like a gentleman's agreement between yeah. us that we're on the same page and that we love each other. And I'm like, you're welcome. And you despised my right. Sabbaths. All the time. Like, really? You profane my Sabbath. You yeah. continue to do that over and over and over again. And, and the thing, the whole point of this is he's like, you have rebelled and rejected me and accepted every other god into your heart besides me and yet you think you can come to me and ask me a question right you can't i'm not talking to you yeah i'm not going to answer your question i know we used it before but it is like you know i just i just got back from a date with my girlfriend and Mm -hmm. i asked my wife to make me my favorite dinner Mm -hmm. what what's wrong why won't you make my favorite dinner? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because well, we have is, issues. This is the same thing. If I, It reminded me of Saul. Yes. King Saul, right after he killed all the all the priests and chased David out. And, and then he's going to battle with the Philistines and he's trying to inquire of God and he's using all the methods that God had set up and God's not responding. Right. So then he goes to like the necromancer and tries <laughs> that way. And it's just like, no. 
all you're gonna you know what I'm gonna say to you now? You're gonna die. <laughs> like you've already killed the covenant. You've yeah. already broken the relationship and now you're against me and mm-hmm. now you're trying to use me for more. Mm-hmm. It's pretty gross, human. Well, at the end of it, um, it, throughout each cycle, God reminds them there was a point at each at each point mm-hmm. where he said, I'm going to wipe them out. There was a point mm-hmm. uh, in the desert where it's like, I'm going to wipe them out. But he reminds us, and there was a point after that. Mm-hmm. There's several points where God's like, I'm going to wipe them out. But then God reminds them, you know why I didn't? Because for my name's sake, you are the people, you're the nation that will save the world. Mm-hmm. And if I wipe you out, all these other nations will die without knowing me. Right. And I care about the world. Mm-hmm. And so for my name's sake, going out to the whole nation, I'm going to keep you, my children. I know. I'm going to keep you. So like even in all this, it's like, okay, so the, the thing that struck me is they, the people of God had become corrupt carriers of God's name, provision, and blessing. Mm-hmm. So by a corrupt carrier, I mean like, it's like a FedEx driver who just opens up Christmas packages, eats candy, oh, yeah, decides yeah. to deliver mm-hmm. something, but keeps some for himself. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so you, obviously you get fired. Right. But he would be boasting about that, even mm-hmm. telling people, oh, you got a nice present today. Oh, that, uh, that nice gift came in for you. I decided to keep it. I represent God and FedEx. FedEx would be like, you're fired. Right. And so this is what's happening to God's people. But... God in his grace and mercy says, I'm, I'm not done with you Yeah. because you carry my name and this is bigger than just you. Wow. So the elders wanted to hear from God and they certainly did. The question is, did they have the ears to hear it? And that's the question we have to deal with every day. Do you have the ears to hear it? The good news is, simply repent and say, God, have mercy on me. <clears throat> I want to be with you. And he's like, I want to be with you too. Our New Testament reading today. New Testament reading today is Hebrews chapter 9, verse 16 through chapter 10, verse 18. It does continue and and uh, using the word cycle, the author of Hebrews cycles around on Jesus is better. He's better than the old covenant. He's the new covenant. He's better than Moses. He's better than angels. He's better. He's a better sacrifice. Uh, he's a better rest. He's a better confidence. He's mm-hmm. a better brother. Jesus is better. And so better means yes and. Yes. So, uh, and? yeah, so it's yes and. You know, it's the old improv thing. You don't kill, like, if you're like, I'm a mad scientist. And I'm like, no, I actually want to be a FedEx driver. You don't say that. You say, yes, and I drive a FedEx truck. Oh, and hilarity mm-hmm. ensues. It's yes and, and that's what Hebrews is doing. Going, yes, the Old Testament and covenant was real. And it's even better now. Mm-hmm. And those things then vanish because the better overwhelms the old one. Like, right. you wouldn't even think of going back to riding horses when you have a car. Mm-hmm. Like, unless now you just ride horses for fun, it's novel. Right. And so, this is what he's doing. Um, two big ideas in today's reading that I found. What are those two big ideas? The two big ideas are blood. And sacrifice. Mm. So Jesus' blood is better. Jesus' sacrifice is better. Right. So let's start with blood. Because he talks about um, the blood of the old covenant, which mm-hmm. had to be scattered on everything. And he lists mm-hmm. things. And, um, and he lists like how it was to be done in the temple. But he says, how much more will the blood of Christ... Oh, that was the other day's reading. But it continues. 
he talks about the the blood that must be offered mm-hmm. and is because nothing can be inaugurated without blood in right. today's reading. And so, um, anyway, I, here's what I wanted to say. Let's get there. Let's just get there. What's the deal with blood? Why? If you've ever known people and you grew up, if you grew up Christian, you'd have friends or whatever. And if they were honest, they'd be like, I just don't understand why Jesus has to shed his blood. Why is there so much blood in this? I don't get it. If they're thoughtful at all. And maybe you haven't had an answer because it's hard when you're not thoroughly in the story because it is like, why? Right. Let me just short, shorthand the answer to you. Yes, do it. God's answer to us when we say, why is there so much blood in this? His answer is, I didn't start that. Mm-hmm. You started the blood thing. And you would say, what do you mean? I didn't kill anybody. No, your ancestors did. Let me show you. Adam and Eve decided to do something that has continued to this day. What was that something they did? They engaged in a battle. All battles will spill some blood. What was their battle? It was a war for independence. Mm -hmm. They decided they would be independent. And so the blood that was shed to cover their upheaval against God was mm-hmm. the blood of, in grace, what did God do when they rebelled against him? Killed they, animals. He killed some animals to cover them because when they sinned, they were naked and ashamed mm-hmm. before God. There's no armor. There's no glory. They failed in their uprising against God. Mm-hmm. But God in his grace said, I'm not going to kill you, but that's what you deserve. But see, man started it. Man decided we will uh, sacrifice blood to gain our independence. Now, the reason I made this connection is not only from reading the story, but I watch all these documentaries on war. And right. I've been watching the one on Vietnam, mm-hmm. and I've watched the one on World War II, World War One, all these Ken Burns documentaries. These are six to eight hours. And finally, I'm like, what do I see that's common here? And when I went to Washington, D.C. with my daughter when she was in eighth grade, nothing but memorials to all these wars. Thousands of people dying, and we're going, thank God they fought for our freedom, which I am saying that. We just had Veterans Day. Right. Now, that's this world. Mm-hmm. But we don't, we don't question the need for blood to be sacrificed for our freedoms. Right. But then we question, why is God dealing in the blood? Mm-hmm. And it's the same reason. There's a war going on. Right. But here's the difference. All of our wars through, since the beginning of time have required our sons, mm-hmm. have required each hundred year. every hundred years, there's at least one war where thousands of sons die, right. where we give up and we sacrifice for a freedom to fight the cause for independence and freedom. I'm not saying that's bad, but I'm saying when you talk spiritual, mm-hmm. we are fighting that same thing. And God is a better sacrifice. So what does God do? He offers up his own son. One son, mm-hmm. one blood sacrifice. He creates one kingdom under a ruler who is good, mm-hmm. just, peace, who rules forever and ever. And I was connecting to the idea, when you go to Washington, D.C., you'll never see a, a memorial celebrating peace. Right? You just don't see. I mean, you have one that mm. might say, We wish we had peace and may we always have peace. But there's not a, a memorial. It's like, This was the day we got a perfect leader and we brought everyone together and there'll yeah. never be a war again. Yeah. But then here's what I realized it was the sacrifice, the battle that Christ fought on the cross, his shed blood once and for all. He finished all wars and we don't have a memorial because he's living. Right. And now we, those of us by faith, we are living memorials of 
eternal peace because the blood of the son was fought once and for all and it was better than blood of goats and heifers and Mm -hmm. of our sons and daughters. It was the blood of Christ. And so anyway, all this is to say we are, this is what it's brought. He goes on to say, look, it's a better sacrifice because what Jesus' blood brought us was forgiveness of sins. There's no forgiveness apart from blood. Mm -hmm. That we started. Right. We rebelled. We rebelled. We got this thing going, but God finished it. By sacrificing his son, and now there's peace between, there can be peace between us and God. And so under the reign of peace, we are monuments of peace. We have access to the peace. We eagerly await for him to return, not to deal with our sin, but to save us. Mm Mm-hmm. And what we can expect is that every time we encounter the Word of God or baptism or the Lord's Supper, it changes your heart and we get the benefits of that sacrifice. Just like we get the benefits of our soldiers who have protected us. We Mm -hmm. get certain freedoms and we're not scared about things and there's laws and we're thankful for that. But the benefits of Christ's sacrifice are forgiveness, love, life, moving towards completeness that will never end. And our faith is strengthened now as we wait for it to be made perfect Nice. I mean, yeah, that's, that's that section. That's the sermon. That's good. I'm just thankful. So, and the other idea is, what did Israel and Judah? They always wanted to unify the kingdom. Mm-hmm. I look around. Um, you you have to be able to understand. There's the kingdom of God and the kingdom of man. In the kingdom of God, all boundaries were broken down. Jesus is king over the whole earth. Mm-hmm. That's why there's churches in every nation. Right. Because Jesus calls all nations because he can afford to feed them mm-hmm. his body and his blood. He can afford to protect them. Now, in nations, the kingdom of man, there are laws. And those laws, it's, it's not governed by gospel. It's, gospel. it's governed by law. And so there are hard issues. But just remember, you are, if you're being fed by ravens, your allegiance is to Christ who reigns and his leadership. He reigns with peace. That's who we look to first, and then we do our best in the kingdom of man. We vote, we support our soldiers, we do all that. But our final hope is going to be in Christ as our ruler. One sacrifice, one blood covering forever and ever. Nice. That was my second sermon. Hey, I think I have a third brewing. Okay. Okay, no, we'll stop. All right. I know. Our psalm for today is going to be Psalm chapter 122. I was glad when they said to me, Let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet have been standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem, built as a city that is bound firmly together, to which the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, as was decreed for Israel, to give thanks to the name of the Lord. There, thrones for judgment were set, the thrones of the house of David. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they be secure who love you. Peace be within your walls, and security within your towers. For my brothers and companions' sake, I will say, Peace be within you. For the sake of the house of the Lord, our God, I will seek your good. Boom! You've just been fed by ravens. Go in peace and serve the Lord. We will talk to you next time.